do you like to be the life of the party? Or would you prefer if people saw you as the quiet, mysterious one? Do you work out and eat right to build the body of your dreams or the body of somebody else's dreams? How about money? When you have it, do you like to spend it to show off that you had it? I want to talk today about something we've all done from time to time. It's not unhealthy in small doses. In fact, it's very human. It might even be necessary. But when this behavior gets out of control and takes over, it can actually be very destructive. I'm going to refer to this behavior as seeking external validation. What do I mean? I mean the thought processes and the actions that we go through when we want others to see us a certain way, specifically to see us in a positive light, acceptable, likable, attractive, influential, desirable, someone they want to be around, someone they want to have as part of their community. In this episode, I'm going to start by briefly summing up our last episode when I was speaking about excessive fantasization because it really connects very closely to this idea of external validation seeking. I'm going to talk about some examples of external validation seeking. Maybe we can find some of the ways in which it's showing up in your life. And again, it's not all bad, but we're going to talk about how it can, how it can go bad and how it can lead us astray. And finally, I'm going to offer you three solutions to this behavior. I'll talk a little bit about my process, how I had to work through it, give you some solutions and give you some questions to ask yourself as you start down this road of self-exploration. So in the last episode, I spoke about excessive fantasization, you know, those mental movies we all create in our imagination about the life we want to live or the experiences we want to have or perhaps experiences we could never have that we get to live out that way. So this episode is really going to piggyback or pick up off that last episode. I said that fantasy can disrupt our life. Fantasy can really become destructive to our self-image. It can hold us back, in fact. So I would recommend you go back and listen to that episode, but I'll sum it up quickly so you can keep listening to this one. Back in December of last year, I became aware of how my behavior, my thought processes of excessive fantasies, right? These imaginative experiences I was having, spending a lot of time thinking about things that were probably never going to happen or things that if they were going to happen, I was better off working towards them. I found out that that process of spending all that time fantasizing was actually holding me back. First of all, it's a waste of time and energy. It's depressing and unhelpful. And like any other drug, they actually left me unfulfilled, only temporarily fulfilled. And then the gap that they left was, was bigger than when I'd started. And worst of all, I found that I wasn't bringing my best self to bear on the world. I, I wasn't always showing up as who I could be. And especially when I was younger, I started to think, wow, I wonder if in part because it was easier just to coast through life and then go home and indulge in these fantasies to pleasure myself in this make-believe world. And so what I ultimately found to be the case was that life is difficult sometimes, right? To grow, to progress, that requires expending energy, that's work, that's, it can feel hard. And because of a previous painful, traumatic experience, I greatly desired to have control over my life, my body, my pleasure. So you put those two together, and in a lot of ways, the things that were difficult to me, it was easier to fantasize or imagine myself doing them 
rather than actually work towards doing them or reckon with fulfilling and satisfying myself in some equal way. So I had to accept that I was using fantasy and imagination in such a way as to feel some semblance of control, of action, of power, of influence in my life when in reality I wasn't exerting that much in my real life. Sure, I could control my mental movies. You know, I could imagine getting what I wanted. And now, to be frank, these these fantasies were, were sexual fantasies a lot of the time. And the adrenaline and the dopamine rush that goes along with that led to addiction. And rather than actually focusing on who I was and the, the work I had to do in front of me and the life I had to live, the people I was with, I was simply addicted to drugs. It was a in a sense, it was a, a form of pornography addiction. So I had to acknowledge this ultimately, and I had to seek to control these urges, and I had to put more effort into life. I had to create a useful vision for my life, and I got to tell you, in a short time of just exerting a little bit of self-control, doing away with this sort of childish daydreaming, I have found some positive results, more energy, more happiness. So if you want to hear the full breakdown of that of that process and that story, and of course the solutions to how you can deal with your excess fantasization, your disruptive, unhelpful fantasy, definitely go back and check out the episode that's just the last one before this. You get the full story, some information on why we fantasize, how it works in our life, how it can go wrong, and then of course I'll offer you some solutions if it's starting to take over your life. I just want to say something to you quite simply. Seeking approval from other people comes from the same place as that excessive fantasy. I sought the approval of women and men for the same reason that I indulged in these lustful fantasies about women. I wanted so badly to control what others thought about me, and still do. It doesn't ever go away. But I wanted so badly to control the thoughts of others, just like I wanted to imagine controlling the actions of the women I fantasized about. But the consequence there is that I forfeited control of what I could control, my actual being, myself. I forfeited control of what I could control and I became disconnected from myself. So if you're wondering whether this could be a problem in your life, let's talk now about some typical ways that this behavior, this external validation seeking, this external approval seeking, Let's talk about some ways in which it manifests and shows up in our lives and then work towards some solutions. So I've got here an AI generated list of over 15 ways, scenarios in which people seek that external validation. And yes, it's an AI generated list. Although I would say it seems to really ring true because <laughs> I see I see shades of myself in almost all of these uh, at one time or another. So I'm, I'm going to work forward and believe that this is at least useful to start thinking about the problem. So what's a big way? What's one of the number one ways that we seek approval from other people? This is almost too easy. Social media immediately comes to mind. We post carefully curated images, especially on Instagram or TikTok or any of the more visual platforms. And we get a rush. We get a great feeling when we see someone like it, share it, comment it say nice things about us, and it gives us that feeling of validation. It gives us that esteem. I don't want to say self-esteem because it's coming from the outer world. It's that external esteem that we 
crave from social media and the algorithm is all too happy to teach us that and, and keep us coming back for more. Even simpler yet, how we dress, how we look, how we present ourselves in the outside world, right? You wear brand name clothes, you dress a certain way to fit in with a certain community, you buy expensive clothes to let people know that you have money. A big one, a huge one these days is, is the way people uh, work out and post gym selfies or workout videos. Um, you know, and it's not to take away the value of building a strong, healthy, lean body. You know, but I'm a, I'm a member of a lot of these men's self-improvement groups or just self-improvement groups in general. And there is one fellow who seems to just every day post video, uh, videos and pictures of himself uh, working out and flexing in the mirror. And on the one hand, it's like, yes, we all have to reckon with the fact that you are a big, strong guy with a great body who's taking care of himself and looks good. On the other hand, it's like, are you doing that for yourself, right? Are you taking that moment? to appreciate what you've built for yourself is that and is that not enough right to, to daily be posting pictures of yourself for groups and <laughs> to post pictures of yourself shirtless for other men to look at it, it to me it's well it's a symptom of what we're talking about here it's to be so disconnected from the self to not know the self and then to need something so major as self-esteem given to you uh, I think suggests, and I'm not psychoanalyzing this guy, but suggests to me the need for a deeper self-knowledge and a deeper confidence in the self. And we'll, we'll talk about how we can develop that. Another big one is displaying wealth uh, with through the use of material possessions, right? Jewelry, clothing, cars, trips, nights out on the town, expensive liquor, expensive food. We've all seen the videos. We've all seen the guys living like they wish they were Andrew Tate. Again, on some level, it's not all bad. It's like, cool, you've accomplished something. You have every right to show it off to a certain extent. But if you're doing that, uh, you know, because you feel like you need other people to tell you that it's valuable, well, then where's the value in it, right? If, if there's no intrinsic, inherent value to these things you're doing, you have to ask, why am I doing this? And so I think that those three are all pretty obvious. Social media, the way we present our body, the way we build our body to, to be desirable to others and displaying our material wealth. And I think you can really see the connection to fantasy here, right? The, those are all things that we desire, right? To be, to be loved and admired uh, by a community, to, to be <laughs> desired and, and look great naked and be desired by others and to have wealth, power, and influence, right? We can also be motivated by those same things in the real world. And our efforts, which actually do sometimes require great self-control, right? To, to exercise, to eat right, to constantly post content on social media, uh, and to, to work hard to have material wealth. But in the same way, we're pursuing control of how others think of us. We need these outward expressions of ourself to get back that feedback, that validation from others that we then take in and say, ah, yes, I am worthwhile. I am hardworking. I am good looking. Kind of twisted, in fact. And again, like I say, it's not all bad. Humans by our nature are comparative. We need to look around. We need to see how we measure up against other individuals and where we fit in the group. I guess what I would say right off the bat here is that we need to wait, we need to work on, or perhaps what I have had to do is work on weighting my self-esteem, what I know to be true about myself. I need to weight that a lot heavier, a lot higher 
than that external esteem or that external validation that comes from outside. All right, let's talk about a few more of these ways in which we seek this external validation, this approval from others, from a community. Let's talk about a few ways that are a little bit more sinister and can actually get us into a, quite a bit more trouble. So I think one that comes to mind for me is that desire to be coveted, admired, wanted by those who we find sexually attractive. And that can lead to a big mess, right? We're, we act like someone we're not. We spend money we shouldn't be spending, maybe. We're trying too hard. We're simping, as the kids say. And, and this need to be uh, wanted and desired to be, an, to be objectified by others could even lead to a life of promiscuity, right? Short, repeated relationships, quick flings. And again, I'm not saying don't have your fun, I guess. I have my <laughs> doubts about that in the long term and as a culture. But, you know, those short, repeated relationships that never go anywhere, they lose their spark not long after the initial seduction is over. And again, we see the connection to fantasy here. I want to be desired. I want to have the chance to seduce. I want them to want me. So the same things we might fantasize about, we might now in the real world put our emotional energy into. And where are we putting that emotional energy? Into the outside world. We're giving, giving, giving. It's kind of twisted. But again, it's not all bad. I think we have to always remember the opinions of others can be a great way to become aware of how we measure up. It can't be the be-all, end-all. We can't weight it 100 to nothing as far as how we think of ourselves. But you know, if you find that people gravitate to you, people want to talk to you, people seem to be attracted to you, people ask your advice, ask your opinions, they show that they're interested in you, that does reveal that on some level, something you're doing is right, something that you have internally that you bring to the world is worth sharing. Okay, what else? <laughs> Here's a good one. Competition and comparison. Like I said, humans... We naturally compete. We naturally compare ourselves. We, we need other humans to see where we fit in relatively. You know, the other night I was out for a bike ride with a friend of mine. Nice warm evening. We're just getting back into the neighborhood. And it was, it was late and there was nobody around except me and my friend on our bikes and a guy at a red light in a brand new bright shiny red Ford Mustang. He took one look at us and that light turned green. And what do you think he did? And what I have done the same thing Probably he mashed the gas pedal and went zero to 60 in however many seconds up the road. And <clears throat> he was brake or not brake lights, but tail lights and dust, right? And good for him. But as stupid as that could have been, it could have been dangerous, right? Someone could have run out into the road or you never know. He could have lost control. But what occurred to me was, and he may have done that had there been nobody around, but I'm sure that he got a little extra kick out of these two dudes on their bicycles and him in the 50, 60, $70,000 sports car and him leaving us in his dust. But again, any joy he got out of that beyond the physical sensation of flooring it in a Mustang was because he was putting himself above me and my friend and saying, my worth, my power, my, my manhood is relative to yours. So another great example of this is, is rap music. How much rap music do you listen to where you hear things like, I have more money than you. I have more firearms and weapons than you. I have a bigger house than you. My, you know, my side chick is 
is, you know, is hotter than your wife. You know, the one woman that you've managed to get, I've had her a hundred times. I would say that if you are living a life where you feel like you're constantly seeking external validation, you're constantly wanting to be seen as bigger or better or badder than other people. And this is bringing you a certain amount of pain and anxiety because you it's, that's a tough front to keep up. Uh, if it's leading to addiction, if it's leading to stress, anxiety, you know, you need that constant flow of people to best. <laughs> and you listen to a lot of rap music, I would just say consider what you're feeding your brain and what's fueling this image of needing to be better than other people when you can't just be a, the best version of yourself. Another common example of external validation is people-pleasing, right? That's when we place the needs of other people uh, above the needs of us. We don't say what we need to say. We don't do what we want to do. We sort of just let people walk on us. We don't want to cause trouble, right? You know, there's some issue in your workplace, well, don't, you know, I won't say anything. It's just, they did what they had to do and that's fine. You know, I, I stayed an extra hour or whatever. You understand how the ego's desire for control, especially if we've been through a traumatic experience like abuse or loss or injury, some phase, some time in our life where we lost control. Well, now it's like, uh, we spend a lot of our time trying to get that control back where we can. We see it in fantasy and we see it here in this people pleasing. I can't, I, I've lost control of my life, but I can at least control the way in which other people uh, think of me. And, and they all like me because I'm always there. I'll stay late. I don't care. Um, they can walk on me. They can stay over. I'll be there. I'll give them this. I'll give them that. It's really quite sinister the way in which our body, our brain seeks to take back control in some way. And a lot of the time it has to do with fitting in with a community, being someone who, even if you're getting walked on, well, at least I'm, at least some, at least they need me, right? They need me to, to step on and walk on and they can always count on me to give them whatever it is they want. Another common one would be requiring the approval of authority figures, right? Like your boss, your teachers, or, you know, even sometimes we let friends and family and people we know just take an authoritative role over top of us where their opinion really matters. We, we, we need that validation from them to know that we've done a good job. But when you can't or you refuse to know that you've done a good job, it means that on some level you, you don't know yourself. And I have to think, it's been the case for me, if you don't know yourself, if you're not seeking to know yourself, you will never be at peace. You will never know peace. You'll constantly be running. You'll constantly be filling the gaps with food, drugs, alcohol, the need for other people to like you, material possessions. If you need others to tell you that you are worthy, that you've done a good job, yes, it's nice. Yes, it'll always come and go. It doesn't, it's not ever going to go away. I'm not one of these guys who's going to give you the, the Zen Buddhist talk. We're dealing with real, real life problems of the mind here. If you need other people to give you validation, to tell you that you've done a good job and you refuse to feel that internally until you get it from the outside, then you will never know yourself. You will never know your worth and you will never be at peace. And, you know, so at high levels, this desire to be validated, to get the two thumbs up from other people, uh, it takes us away from our inner voice. It, it disconnects us from, uh, from ourself and it, it prevents us from developing true self-esteem. It's almost like you could think of it like you're on a life support system for your self-esteem. You need to keep getting it from the outside. And if you don't get it, what happens? We can, truly, we can see dependence a dependence on this, like 
I was saying I love to be coveted and admired by the women that I covet and admire. And if some days, for whatever reason, I'm not bringing it and they don't seem interested, well, that hurts. At least it did when I was younger. We can get into this place of emotional stability, stress and anxiety, worrying, well, I got to wear this, I got to say this, I got to look like this, I got to get here then, I got to do this, do that, do that. You're worrying about all this stuff in relation to something else and not worrying about just being yourself. And so imagine that now in the context of a relationship, right? Where you constantly need your partner to validate you. Yes, you're good in bed. Yes, I like being with you. Yes, we can go do this tomorrow. Yes, we can do that. Yes, you're worthy. I'm here, aren't I? When we require that constant stream of validation, it prevents us from building it in ourselves, and it can lead to a lot of emotional pain and suffering. So if any of this is starting to sound a bit too familiar, let's talk about some solutions to this problem. Number one, what I'd say here is let your curiosity be your guide. If this is starting to sound like, okay, yes, this is a part of my life, or you know it's a part of your life, you think that you're sort of toxically or excessively looking for outside validation, reflect on it. Use journaling, use meditation, write, think, speak, create, get your ideas out of your head, onto the paper, onto the video, into the audio recorder, paint a picture for all I care express these feelings that you have. What role does this desire for others' approval play in your life? There's a question to ask. What role does your desire for other people's approval play in your life? And remember, this is human instinct. Back in the day, and perhaps even today, we need to fit into some kind of community to survive for all kinds of reasons. We're not necessarily fighting off saber-toothed tigers and, you know, meteor showers where we have to go live underground, (laughs) although you never know. But today, I mean, for our own mental health, for building a business, for building a community, building a family, building structures that that we can pass on to our children, that we can um, keep ourselves safe, we need that community and we all want to be a part of a community for the most part. We all want to fit in somewhere. So again in your writing, in your reflection, be honest. It's like, hey, I'm just human. But have I let this human urge uh, go a little too far out of hand? And so what you can do through this self-reflection, whether it's writing or just thinking, you can start to develop awareness and anticipate triggers. Like for me, I knew that there was one job that I had. It's a kind of semi-regular gig that I, that I go to as a video camera guy. And I knew that there When I got there, there was people there that I deeply desired them to find me attractive, find me funny, find me cool. And I had to just say one day, what if today I just didn't care? It doesn't mean that I'm going to dress like shit and show up without showering and not talk to anybody. But what if I just went through this experience mindfully and with my feet on the ground, making eye contact, doing the best job I could. And that's perhaps another thing that gets lost if it's work or if it's the gym or if it's family life, if we're obsessed with uh, how others see us, quite often we're not bringing our best self to the job, the task, the experience at hand. So I'm not saying to be lesser than, I'm just saying go in and just try for 10 minutes to not care, right? I'm not saying don't wear your best clothes, but wear them and feel good in them and feel proud, but don't always be looking to see if anybody noticed. What I would say is that you don't 
necessarily have to change. This would be the second solution or the second step. You don't necessarily have to change then, but start to rethink why you do what you do. Are you going to the gym seven days a week and starving yourself to have a six pack so that other people will find you desirable or so that you can prove to yourself that you have the mental toughness, that you do look good, that you are in shape, that you are healthy, that you can be a, you know, be a provider, be a pillar, be someone who is fit and able, or do you just want other people to think that about you? And you might find that you could develop some healthier habits if it didn't matter what other people thought. Same with displaying wealth, right? Look, it's all good to have a nice car, nice clothes. I mean, as soon as this podcast starts making money, you better believe I'm going to be displaying some of my wealth. But, but ask yourself, well, why, right? Is it just purely out of vanity? Is it because you don't feel good about yourself inside that you have to display it outside in the hopes of getting attracting, right? Like a flower that attracts bees with bright petals. It's worth asking the questions. I'm not saying change. I'm just saying think about it. Because truth be told, you know, that's one thing. But when it comes to people pleasing, excessively apologizing, you know, allowing yourself to be stepped on, uh, being a tough guy even, right? Being somebody that you're not. That performative behavior, consciously being someone that you're not, that is exhausting. It's not something you can keep up. And you spend all that time being someone else. You spend all that time thinking in relation to other people. You're never going to know yourself. You're never going to develop yourself in a sustainable way. I think that will bring you peace. I'm not saying you couldn't just go through your whole life this way, but you'd have to ask what you left on the table. And so if, like in my case, uh, I did a lot of this external validation seeking in response to a, tra a traumatic experience, right? I, I, I lost control. Um, I lost faith. I lost the belief. I lost the feeling of who I was and never really got it back until I was pretty much this age or maybe a few years ago. And so I was so obsessed with having other people see me as whole, as attractive, as interesting, because I came from a time where I was questioning all that. If that sounds familiar, I would say you're going to have to break this goal down into tiny little chunks and spend a lot of time observing and reflecting. It's not about change, but it's about really coming to understand why you've done these things, why you're behaving this way. And if it's because of something that happens to you, you don't have to feel guilty about it, but you have to be willing to put in the work of understanding yourself. But I would say all that time spent on understanding and observing yourself is better than thinking about the thoughts of others. What this process is, a lot like how when we talked about fantasization or a few weeks ago when we talked about um, changing how your ego functions, we're now rewiring or flipping our control mechanism from from the outside world where we have no control or very little control to the inside. We want control. We want influence. And so often we're looking out because as human beings, that's just how we are. We're looking out to control our surroundings. Take a little bit of time now to flip that control back into the self and control or at least begin to think about how you're thinking about yourself. And finally, I would just say, start to ask yourself some hard questions. Change is hard. Change is difficult. Change might not even necessarily be all that that it's cracked up to be. But sometimes it's harder to ask those hard questions. So let me give you a few questions that you can ask. 
Is this external validation seeking? Is this need for others' approval functioning like a drug in my life? Am I getting high off it? Am I dependent off it? Am I getting high off of it? And am I dependent on it? And then ask yourself, so is it harmful? You know, I'm not saying that, it, that it's a problem. For me, it became a problem because it was taking away from who I could be. But if you're just, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem, you know. So let me ask you this now. Am I using this as a shortcut to feeling good? Right? That's very common. It's like, well, if other people like me, that's that's almost easier than doing the hard internal work of liking myself. And so you would have to ask yourself, okay, am I using this as a shortcut to feeling good? And if so, what is it that I'm skipping over? What is it about myself that I'm not addressing that I don't like, where I know I'm floating, where I know I'm half-assing? What can I be better about? And here's the secret. You do that hard internal work, your self-esteem begins to go up because your self goes, hey, the self is working on the self. This self is great. And (laughs) we'll get to this, but truly, it's less and less important at that point what's coming in from the outside. Ask yourself this one last question. Am I letting others tell me who I should be? So to wrap this up, I'd say, obviously this process will take time. I have found that when I have the courage to confront these harmful behaviors, it allows me to better understand myself. That's the process of self-discovery. Scrutinizing and observing what we do, realizing where we're putting ourselves through pain unnecessarily, perhaps in a response to something that happened that we'd rather forget, If we're willing to work on them, we're willing to get a better understanding of who we are. And that to me is the road towards more peace in our life. So if you're willingly abusing yourself in this way, right? You're addicted to that stream of other people's attention and you're in pain without it and you need it to survive and you need it to feel like you're worth anything, then ask yourself, does it have to be this way? And what am I avoiding? What am I letting other people do for me that I can't do for myself. So I want to share with you one last little secret. If we strive to genuinely develop self-esteem, if we strive to genuinely develop ourselves, the world does accept us. I have no scientific proof of this. I can say that I've experienced it and I've seen it in others. The world will accept you. Not everyone will accept you, not all the time. That's impossible. When you're working on self-esteem on the inside, when you're working on becoming and knowing yourself, you'll easier recognize where you fit in and you'll easier recognize how to get there. And you get in where you fit in. And when you know yourself, that process is much, much easier. So I want to thank you for listening. Thank you very much for watching. Please get in touch anytime through Facebook. Subscribe over on the YouTube channel. There's lots of short content over there now. Drop a review on Apple Podcasts. Use the Q&A on Spotify. Facebook, you can get in touch with me in a number of ways. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if this is making any impact in your life or if I'm yelling into the void. I know I'm not because I can see and I'm aware of who's listening, at least by the numbers. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for your attention to this podcast. Please remember, as we say, that better is possible.